It's Dr. Tennant's Verbal Highs. Let's start the show with Lewis Tennant. Here we go. Guests and interviews that you're looking for with creators, innovators, and so much more. For all episodes and further info, verbalhighs.com is the place to go. Alrighty, welcome to Dr. Tennant's Verbal Highs, a podcast podcast weekly from a kitchen bench in Kingsland, Auckland, New Zealand. If I just, uh, if I pause for a second. Oh no, he stopped. Um, like the new guy upstairs, like the new, well, the new couple upstairs. Um, I've talked to him more than her. Um, he has a, he has a piano and uh, he's just got home from work and he was, uh, he was tinkling the, tinkling the proverbial, not the proverbial, he was tinkling the, the literal ivories. Um, he's learnt Stand By Me, finally, which is great, because that one took about three months. Um, was glad to hear the back of that one. Uh, this new tune I don't recognise. It's nice. It's more technically um, it's more te- it's a more technically competent piece than Stand By Me, so it's, it's nice to sort of hear growth um, and development in the evenings. <laughs> anyway, uh, so regular listeners will know that I have been rabbiting on probably for about the last seven or eight episodes about trying to get 50 episodes up in a year. I've had mixed feelings about it. I'm crazy busy otherwise, and this is a hobby, a labour of love. Um, but by, by, by golly jinkers, <laughs> by golly jinkers, where does that kind of language come from? Like that sort of, um, that sort of 50s, 60s kind of kids entertainment language, isn't it? Anyway, uh, by golly jinkers, <laughs> I'll have five up in the next 48 hours. Yay! Because the podcast started November, end of November last year. And I was like, bugger it, I'm going to do it. So this is 46 today. It's with a guy named Theo Gibson. I first met Theo at Unitech in 2007. Regular listeners will know I am now involved uh, permanently in an academic institution. Um, at that time, I was part-time on a coffee stand at the Unitech. My first year back in New Zealand after about seven years away, hindsight being 2020, I pretty much say now I had a nervous breakdown at the end of uh, my tenure in Melbourne. So I was in a pretty interesting headspace uh, manning the stand. Um, I was actually back doing a series of extraordinarily low paid um, uh, temp hospo jobs for a temp hospo company that would charge me out for whatever they charged me out for, and then I would make the grand total of $13 an hour as a 30-year-old. But um, it was good, got me settled here. Um, a lot of the work kind of sucked, to be honest, but I turned up to this coffee stand one day. Uh, Theo and I talk about this at the beginning of the podcast, and there was a gentleman there that wasn't Theo. Uh, it was a gentleman named Chris, and uh, he expressed his disdain at temps um, as I turned up. Nice icebreaker. Uh, and then within about half an hour, we were totally hitting it off, and I still now, 10 years back in New Zealand, um, consider Chris uh, one of the absolute best human beings I've met since being back. So anyway, Theo would pop over, it turned up they, they went to school with each other, um, but he was a chipper fellow who'd be a regular customer as well as friend of Chris's, uh, and I always really liked Theo, he actually helped out with um, part of my master's in terms of in terms of me interviewing him for, for the subject matter, um, you know, I... It was probably the last time I saw him. When was that? 2002. When was that? Doesn't matter. 2012. And then I, I saw through good old social media that he was building an electric car from scratch. 
And I thought, what a curious, um, what a curious project, and what a great project to get someone in to talk about, and what a great opportunity to get Theo to to uh, come back into my life, if only just briefly. <laughs> it was fun. We talked about um, his other endeavours as well. He actually made a doco about the process. I'll let the um, pod speak for itself. Back to Chris. Um, Chris, I assume you're going to listen to this with uh, both Theo and myself involved. Um, we had good fun. We had good fun on that on 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 that stand. I always thought, <laughs> I always thought Chris was he's sort of he's sort of grumpy but charming. That was his uh, that was his um, very charming. Uh, that was his uh, modus operandi at the stand. Um, I I always thought I was uh, I was I was a bit uh, more uh, 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 mellowed until one day um, <laughs> I, I I served <laughs> I served a customer uh, with Chris. I think sitting. Um, behind maybe on a wee break or something and um i didn't realize how cold i'd been <laughs> until chris said that was quite amazing man and i said what <laughs> and he said i've always wanted to work somewhere kind of like black books <laughs> if you haven't seen that show that joke will be totally lost on you but that was my headspace with hospo uh, we also stuck a photo up of a guy pulling fingers that we found at the uh, in the newspaper that only we could see and the customers couldn't. And it was, jeez, we, we, <laughs> good times, good times. Um, like the show Verbal Highs podcast on Facebook, Verbal Highs on Twitter. Uh, like and subscribe on iTunes, please. In these last episodes of the year, if I could have a real push of people sharing and liking and doing all that modern way of supporting, that'd be great. If you're new to this um, podcast through the EV community, welcome. Uh, that's electric vehicle community, folks. Uh, find the rest of the episodes. This is number 46, as I say, so hopefully something in the other 45 will interest you. Okay, on with the show. Four more episodes um, in the next 48 hours, or is that? Three more. No, f- crikey, five more. This is shut up, Lewis. This is this is the forty sixth now. So so there's actually four other ones in the next forty eight hours. Um, I better get working. Here's Theo. This is Doctor Tannen's verbal highs. They need um. They're beautiful looking. I found. They them. just need something for your feet. I was just gonna say I found them at the Salvation Army. I was like, they're cool. They're like yeah. it's like I think they might be homemade. Like yeah. it looks like someone who makes saddles or something made them. Mm. So they're amazing looking, amazing quality. But yeah, yeah you just comfy. you just nailed it. They need something to hook in, hook your legs in on. Yeah, yeah. Um. So. Me making you a coffee is yes. actually quite a spiritual <laughs> journey back to where we met, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah. It is. It's been what? When did I first meet you? 2007. Seven. Wow. That's crazy. And did you already know um, Chris, or did you meet him at the coffee stand I went as to well? school with Chris. Right. We went to Avondale College together. So Chris and I were in the same drama class. That's how we met. And I think I stole his girlfriend at one point. Which I've completely forgot about, but Chris brought up, you know, every now and then. Um, So the story there, folks, is (laughs) I'd come back um, to New Zealand and uh, and uh, work wasn't forthcoming. In fact, I I think at that point in my life, I was kind of at a bit of a juncture as to what to do. So I picked up um, hospo work as you do through some temp company that would charge out, you know, twice what I earned. Spotless or something. Twice yeah. what I earned, which was which was next to nothing to begin with. And <laughs> I turned up um, to that gig and there was a, a, a slightly grumpy guy <laughs> um, playing uh, playing The Clash. And the first thing he said is, fucking temps. 
And um, about 20 minutes in, I'd won him over, and um, Chris, uh, who hopefully will listen to this at some point, remains one of the my favourite people I've met since I've moved to Auckland. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's down in Dunedin now, isn't he? He is. Um, so I should say who's uh, with me today. I, it's the, I have the pleasure of... Uh, of, uh, of welcoming to the show uh, Theo Gibson, a um, you might recognise this copy, a technology-based practitioner with a broad range of experience in uh, theatre, film and video production. Um, but probably the main reason I've got you here today is uh, you built a car that entirely runs on electricity. I did. And uh, made a documentary about that process as well. I did, I did. Yep, yep. It uh, was an exciting uh, adventure. It took, took, took a bit longer than I originally hoped. You still did you drive it here today? No, actually. I, no, I brought my Hummer. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, now I've actually gone slightly back, and I'm driving a plug-in electric hybrid, which is an Outlander PHEV, which is um, I ended up having to get it for work because uh, in my current job I do uh, film and television broadcasting, engineering, sales yeah, stuff, yeah. and I needed a big car to take servers and things. So, so you got, you, you've bought a, you know, you got an off, off the shelf one, as it were, rather off than, the shelf, rather which, than, which is quite nice, yeah. especially now that I've got a small child and don't have the time to tinker. But yeah. I, but I do miss my my conversion. I've actually sold my conversion to another enthusiast to keep it alive. We'll get to the economics of it later mm. on because it's sort of um, if you if you purely um, money driven, which unfortunately um, a lot of the world is, mm. it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, no. But so, but did you no. get did you get some, some something for it when you sold it? I got ten grand. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For a nineteen ninety Toyota. <laughs> exactly. So I was thinking before you came over, I was, I was thinking about you know what I know of you and and you sort of you lend a hand on my master's thesis. I'm sort of talking about what you do, and I know you from when you're at Unitech and so yeah, on, and yeah. this car project and stuff. Um, you're, you're kind of a um, you're kind of a project taker, honorer, aren't you? And a sort of <laughs> I a, a, a I, pro- I was thinking about a, a problem solver. Um, yeah. where, where does this come from, man? Like, like, what, are you folks or? Oh no! See, I was I was thinking about this exactly on on the way here. Well, my folks are all artists. I yeah. come from an arts family, yeah. so um, I think many artists make a technician by the sounds of things. Because um, so, my mother's an actress and voice coach and and. Uh, Shakespearean person. Uh, she's been in the. <laughs> she's been in a the thespian, uh, darling. Thespian, yes. Yeah. She uh, she's been in the you know in the arts world for many many years. Yeah. My my father's a composer. Wow. And does lots of stuff for film and theatre and yeah. um, John Gibson. Um, he he wrote up you know another genius wrote up wrote a musical in college uh, as you do and. Um, uh, so I was doomed to be involved in artistic ventures, and then, um, and then, yeah, and then my my parents split up when I was eight, and yeah. I've got a stepmother who's head of New Zealand Dance Company. Wow, you do have a, a uh, arts bro- rich family. My brother's an actor. My sister's going to be well, stepbrother, stepbrother, stepsister's going to be an actress. Um, my partner's an ex dancer. Um, so, got, so it's sort of like you're lucky they got a tech, technician in the mix because yeah. it's like, oh, there's someone here who can fix these messes we're creating. Yeah, so I grew <laughs> up with this family of, you know, okay, yeah, yeah, let's change a light bulb. Oh, let's get Theo to do that. You know, so basically I grew up, you know, one knew any, anything about this sort of technology, but I did have my grandfather on my mother's side, Max Rands. He's 103 now and still going strong. Wow. Um, he, he was a really interesting guy. He's a conscious was a conscientious objector during the war, yeah. a scientist, but 
built his own house, built his own boat, actually built a three-wheeled car out of a motorbike and sidecar when he got back from um, um, from these camps wow. and registered it and drove it around for, you know. So he was a bit of an inspiration. So I spent many weekends in his shed building things. So he, he's lucid enough that he knows about your car project and stuff? Yeah, and, yeah, he was very supportive. Yeah. He was a, When I started, he was the only person who kind of went, yeah, you could do that. I was going to ask about that later Everyone on. else thought I was the, the, completely the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, he said, oh, that shouldn't be too hard. I was like, exactly, it doesn't look that hard. You know. so, so if we've got a nature versus nurture thing, I, I, I see what you're saying. You're, you're suggesting that the genetic line came through from Popper yeah. uh, down to Theo. But then that's also interesting because when I was, um, when I was uh, doing my master's, I was po- sort of pondering it. Um, one of the things I sort of side-pondered when, when I chatted to you, um, it came up was this sort of, um, there's this age-old, you know, not debate, but, but conversation about, about sort of creative versus um, practical people. Yeah. Wherever that ends up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it might be that in your job you've found sort of success doing um, dealing with uh, actors and so on because you are from that. Well, you, I love you, it. You know how they tick. I, do, I totally understand how they yeah, tick. Yeah. And I love the, you know, artists are collaborative. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not generally about ego or, you know, whereas the business world is a bit more, you know, yeah. um, uh, uh, that inclined, so um, I just love working with people like that. So, um, uh, but I got to the stage about eighteen. I was going to be an actor, you know, yeah. um, and I went. Actually, I'm, I'm a bit traumatized by, <laughs> by my family. I love them to bits, but I don't think I actually want to be uh-huh. on the stage or in front of the camera. Yeah. Actually, if I'm behind the camera, um, maybe I could, uh, you know, influence the arts in that way. So, went to film school in Australia, and and that's where the whole kind of technology thing started. Yeah. Because um, how old are you? I'm, th- uh, how old? 35. 35. Right. Yeah. So technology, do you mean technology things started with you or technology changes starting? Well, a mixture of both, really. Yeah, I'm thinking about kind of digital coming like, into the you know, mix. So my, my parents bought up, you know, the 486. I grew up on the 486 PC and... and, and I grew and, up on the Commodore 64. Well, so I had one of those as well, you know. Yeah. And um, they had no clue how to use it, so they just would give it to me and say, fix this. And interestingly enough, as I was growing up, I always said, oh, when people asked me what I wanted to be, I said, I want to be an inventor. You know, yeah. so that was, I think, too much ch- chitty chitty bang bang or something. I don't, I, I don't know there, but... Um, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Cause, so what happened with... Um what happened with uh, the education racket? You just felt you'd done your done your dash. Yeah. You were a unitic a long time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, went to film school in Australia. Came or did a bit of an OE as you do. Came back to New Zealand, majored as a sound engineer. Oh, trained, you do audio as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I majored as a sound engineer and yeah. um, trained on this thing called a Fairlight. I know the Fairlight. Yeah. yeah. No one had them in New Zealand because we're all number eight wire. So there, we, there was one in Wellington, Theo. Oh, that's at, true. At Marmalade Studios. It got shut down the week. I think they. Oh, I think. It got I was shut down. still. I was producing stuff in that studio um, in '99. Mm. So it must have. You must have been along not long after before they decommissioned uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was back 2004, uh, 2004, 2005. So yeah, basically when I left, they shut it down. But Fairlight was a gorgeous machine, and I loved it. Um, but then got into 3D animation. As you, I just, I just do everything. I can't help myself. So got into 3D animation in film school. Yeah. Came back and went. I'm going to be an animator. 
So I locked myself in a garage and basically just learnt Maya and 3D Studio Max when I got back to New Zealand. Uh, tried to get a job at Weta, all that sort did of you stuff. Make, did you make a film or a... I did a uh, yeah, five-minute little animated film thing. Um, I had these guys on called Muck Putty. Um, oh, yeah. Have you heard of them? Anyway, they make, Sounds... they make this show called Barefoot Bandits yeah. um, probably a few years before you threw... Did you go to the animation school in Auckland? No, no, no. I just self-taught. Self-taught. Mm. Back when there's like a manual with metal rings through, like just sitting there with that, or yeah. just intuition, or just just intuition, just playing with software. You know, it was it was just like oh, okay, uh, lots of tutorials and reading up, and just I, I'm one of those people who, when I'm doing something, I just get everything I possibly can and consume it, and then try and work it out as I go along. So we didn't close off the Unitech thing. Mm. So you because you basically so picked up all these skills, picked up all these yeah. skills, and then was like, shit, I need a job. Um, uh, and stumbled across the Unitech job. And, of course, my family being who they were, um, they kind of brought it to my attention because my mother was one of the original teachers at Unitech when it was originally formed over by Vic Park Market. Right. And um, my stepmother taught there in the in the dance sector, and I saw, saw this job and went, hey, why not? And the job was effectively keep, keep, keeping the wheels, keeping the wheels from falling off. Yeah, technical assistant, so yeah. to the maintenance engineer. So basically that meant that I sat in a room in the film school and made sure that all the students didn't break anything and explained how everything worked. Yeah. Um, and there was a great testing ground for all my little ideas that I had and that slowly evolved over time till I was the technical coordinator so I managed basically all the systems at the film school ended up teaching ended up teaching so then I got uh, started teaching as a, a editing tutor which was great fun um, but then you know I would have loved to have stayed on but you know Auckland got more expensive and the, the, the wage stayed the same and, yeah. and promotions came and went yeah. and uh, <laughs> Heads of department came and went, and I just wasn't really going anywhere. So, um, uh, and then I, you know, bought a house and had a child. So it was like, okay, well, I need to kind of go where the money's going. So, so making making mad mad cheddar on Avid products at the moment. <laughs> Is it Pro Tools or just the visual side of stuff? We just do the visual side of yeah. stuff. So I'm an Avid certified instructor. So you know, uh, but you're selling the gear, right? And we can, sell the yeah, gear. Yeah. That's my main role at the moment is selling the gear. Yeah. So, um, but the, again technology man it's just like the car electric cars it's all changing so rapidly well funny you say that at work i've sort of taken on a role of we had this amazing pro tools hd studio Mm. with a big huge um i think it's called a c25 huge huge starship enterprise post-production desk yeah and i took over an audio paper that um i think hadn't been that person won't be listening i I hadn't (laughs) apparently hadn't been run that well i I never i never met that person yeah and as a part of that, in our brand new building, I don't know if you've seen AUT's building, it's only been there a few years, is yeah. there's this studio sitting there that students just aren't just using. Aren't using. Or they're using, they're going in with um, Zoom mics into the dead studio <laughs> and recording stuff in there. And I'm like, and it's sort of like reminded me when I walked in of like, you know that elderly person with the plastic all over their couch? <laughs> right? So I'm like, guys, we have to use this. And yeah, yeah, relating yeah. to your story, yeah. it's like if we don't, use this in a year or two it'll be a doorstop yeah you know yeah. Te- te- technology because ever don't 
often well, a lot of companies don't support um, stuff after a while. So yeah. So anyway, finally got people um, in there. Got, yeah. got got was like a it was like a, my stubbornness and my vision <laughs> <laughs> paid off. I got I got students with their little swipe cards. Yeah, were, yeah. were allowed to get in there without a tutor in there. Yeah. You know, which took some blah 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 blah. <laughs> so relating to another thing you you spoke of, yeah. like you know students and making stuff sure things go and stuff, it went so well. Yeah. And then about two weeks after all the students had left, I went down for my regular quick little check and someone had like yanked two mics out, pulled all these cables out and left them on the big pile <laughs> in the main room. And I'm like, it's quite, it's actually, yeah, like being responsible for all that gear is quite, um, you yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, and, and did you and, did you give them a lot of tr- like not tr- but like were they allowed in a lot just on their own and was there their pitfalls there and yeah yeah I mean they were they were I mean you know um, with the editing strand they would get a, a suite for the, the 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 time that they were doing the post on their uh, the edit on their on their short films and stuff like that but you know it is funny with technology like I always thought when I started teaching I was like okay this new generation they'll just be tar- yeah yeah. Totally on it. You know. binary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's like, okay, so what computer are we using today? Dead silence. Okay, that's a Mac. This is a Mac. Where's the power button? Dead silence. I'm like, really? Yeah. Yeah, how does this work? Dead silence. You know, I was amazed. I was absolutely amazed because I've always been inquisitive, so I've kind of been interested in how this stuff works. But it's just, you know, they just, if it works, it works, cool. This is how I use it, but no kind of understanding of problem solving. Or even the cap- capability of, like, you know, I see students with, like, the latest Mac, whatever, yeah, yeah, laptop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that little grey <laughs> box credit cardy thing yeah. does everything that you just described yeah. coming up on and learning. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, Oh, you, you just on um, Instagram? Yeah. Did you know that there's um? Did you know there's editing software in there? And did you know that you could make a yeah, film or an yeah, album on that yeah, thing? Yeah, and maybe it's because I don't know. Oh, maybe, listen maybe. to us, stage <laughs> like young people. There's some bloody good ones too, though. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. It's, it's, there are, and <laughs> then when you get those those really good ones, you're like, oh, thank God, you know. Um, and and the good ones always go very far. <laughs> that's yeah. The thing. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. That's right. Cream, uh, etc. Yeah. 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 Um, we'll get on to the car in a second, but mm. as I say, you and you and random projects. I see you're the CEO of an audiobook company. Yeah, so that's a little thing I've been working on um, over the last couple of years on the side, kind of thing. So, you know, I've been a podcast listener for many eons. I bought my first. I, I imported my first iPhone into the country because I wanted one device that could play podcasts and be my phone and my car. Are you saying you imported an iPhone before anyone else had one? Yeah, yeah. I was walking around and everyone was going, what's that? I'm like, it's an iPhone. I've read about those. You know, know, I was quite popular with my iPhone for for a couple couple of years there. That's where I I met my current partner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you've got an iPhone. Um, So, yeah. so And and through that, I've been into audiobooks. You know, Um, uh, I think... The actor part of me has always been uh, uh, liked well-crafted uh, audio. So, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, listen to audiobooks, and it's always been a bit of a nightmare. But as as the years have gone by, people have worked out how to make it work. And I think what's now, been a nightmare? Sorry, I missed what's just the accessibility of them. Yeah. You know, like you either need to go and buy the six CD set of Lord of the Rings yeah. and 
drag around six CDs worth, or if you're going to download it, people were still doing um, them in you know ACC three um, ACC format. So yeah. you you know you're downloading two gigabytes of yeah, data, yeah, and, yeah. but now they've kind of got the compression right and they've got the accessibility right, so you can download it on your phone. And now that's happening, you know, Audible and Audiobooks.com are kind of taking off. Um, and I started using the OverDrive service through Auckland Public Libraries and went, hold on a minute. There's like three New Zealand books in the catalogue, audiobooks to download. Right. Why, why have we got no yeah, New Zealand yeah, audiobooks? Yeah. We've got so many amazing writers. Um, uh, surely we could do something about that. So I just decided, as I do, <laughs> to make something. So I've, I've, Where do you record them? Uh, I've been using Sweet 16 over in Newmarket. Uh, they're a VTR. Well, they're part of VTR. It's a post facility. And how do you get like? Are, are authors just happy to see their work spread further, or are there like anal kind of um, publishers who are funny? How, basically, I'm saying, how does the rights thing? Yeah, work? so that's why it's taken me a year to get my I head around that. it. Yeah, it's funny what I. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I went in with this grand plan of oh yeah, it'll be no problems, yeah. um, but I finally kind of worked out all the nitty gritty of it. Um, and uh, so generally what would happen is because New Zealand publishers and authors don't really have much money, I mean, the publishing industry as a whole is kind of dwindling a bit. You know, you only get a small run of books. <laughs> Funny that, yeah. <laughs> um, and ebook sales are actually dropping. It's audiobook sales that are in the billions these days. So um, uh, uh, you go in there and you say, hey, I want to make your book. And if they agree, basically... Hang on, you, it's just, you go to the publisher or the author first? Either. Either, okay. Okay, so if the, if the rights are held by a publisher, I'll go to the publisher. Um, the publishers have been really supportive. Um, oh, no, that's great. Which is really cool. So, uh, but they can't fund it, so basically I have to fund it. Right. Make the book, they get a 20% commission on sales, and I hope that I get my money back. And so how, how, many you, how many in the can? Uh, not that many, actually. It's been more working around books that are already made and getting them released. So books that are- have already been made into audiobook format. Oh, you're not voicing them and uh, no, I am. You, I am. Yeah. I'm making them as well. So yeah. I've done. I've just finished one called uh, "On the Upside Down of the World," which is narrated by Laurel Davini. Um, Laurel's on Shortland Street. She plays yeah. one of the nurses on Shortland Street. What about do you, do you, do you ever, the, do the old author voice the book? Because you know, yeah. So I've just got one now that I'm about to get the author to voice, and yeah. I've got another another one that's just been sent to me that we're just doing some sound post on that's narrated by the author. Um, always a little bit of a risk there. Um, well, it depends, you know, if it was like some geezer talking about yeah. his life and crime. And yeah. You kind of yeah. want him to read it. Yeah. <laughs> but some some people do have that tendency to read the book. Yeah. And, you know, and that flow is a bit disjointed. So. <coughs> I always found that um, actually, probably because I've never formally trained um, as a broadcaster or whatever, but I have noticed when I've heard my voice back, like with radio and stuff. Yeah. Um. I when I read stuff, it sounds nowhere <laughs> as good as when I'm just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. Wet. Yeah. There's a definite art to yes. the script read. You yes. know, we teach it in our in our radio uh, major. Even like I, I I tried doing. Have you ever tried to do a news reader with the? You got to accentuate the proper nouns and stuff. That's actually quite a difficult it, thing that's to do. Quite hard without sounding like stupid. Yeah. 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 I. It's it, yeah, it's quite an art form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with the, I just realised with with audiobooks mm. that I'm I mean I'm just I've gone so down the pod, podcast rabbit hole that 
I actually realised I don't even listen to music. You know, I listen to about ten percent uh, yeah. of music. Me, me yeah, too. Right. Me too. Something to do with getting older as well. Like yeah. one of my regular listeners um, like, liked it when I said I'm, I'm getting like my grandfather was with the little radio, <laughs> little radio in the corner with national radio on all day so or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, I was going to say with audiobooks, I just realised I'm, I'm woefully out of the loop there. So, is the idea it's just someone reading it? So they're not, they're not. Are they ever like a play format where it's actually different people reading the characters? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there are dramatizations of, of yeah. books, um, uh, and some work, some don't. Like you know, I was just you, thinking some of that. That's a recipe for for awful in the wrong hands. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the like, you know, like I mean, it's not New Zealand, but if you listen to like the Star Wars books, yeah. they're full on films. Yeah, basically, yeah. they're they're voice the sound the old school are, ones yeah oh those, that era is great for all of that it's just hello all, bad jelly yeah exactly <laughs> all that stuff is awesome yeah. um uh but the good audiobooks the ones that i reckon sell and do well are the ones where you've got one narrator doing yeah. all the voices yeah. and it's got consistent flow and it's actually the the unabridged books that sell not the abridged which is means you're just reading all the superfluous stuff that you don't actually need in the audiobook but that they want to feel like they you know, when you're listening yeah. to an audio book, you want to feel like you're reading the book and you can make up the characters in your mind as yeah, you go. I just get, like yeah, reading a book. Yeah, that's really interesting you thing it, you point out. You don't out. want it fed to you. Theatre of, theater of the mind. So, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just really interesting how it all kind of works. But um, uh, I am looking at doing kind of play, play, play readings. Have you listened well? to... Um, uh, Jermaine and I can't remember who he did it with, but they've done a, a radio play that's supposed to be fantastic. Mm. Like, have you, uh, I can't no. remember the name of it. Anyway, Jermaine and one of that um, crew mm. have done a, a, a podcast that's fiction yeah. that um, blew up all around the world. Are you a crime? Um, it might be called Mrs. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, mm. are you a sort of uh, you know? There's all these broad podcast categories. Are you, are you a crime podcast guy? You've listened to your to your serials and your yeah yeah I'm yeah. I'm I, I'm a kind of radio lab yeah you know serial uh, I love I like this it. way we describe things these days yeah I'm kind of a, see me I'm kind of a <laughs> I'm kind of a long form Mark Maroney kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Um, Adam Buxtony kind of yeah. you know occasional crimey <laughs> yeah, yeah it's funny eh yeah. I, <laughs> There's just too much to listen to, us, which is half the problem. But um, no, there's too much. I, the intro to my podcast last week yeah. was, it was about data overload in terms yeah. of watching stuff. I yeah. basically said, haven't watched anything for six months because yeah. just so much was getting. Have you seen this? Have you yeah. seen that? Have yeah, you seen yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah take, take this twenty gig off my <laughs> hard drive. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, I can't. I can't. Yeah. I just need a break. <laughs> I do. I know. Um, I know. Uh, so I think I want to ask a bit about. Um, the car, but I, I need to. I need to um, uh, disclaimer here because you'll probably get your your EV um, community listening. Um, is that I? Uh, this is probably the topic of, of anyone I've had on that I know the least about. So um, for the EV savvy, um, please don't uh, shake your head and so on. This is my, I'm, I'm intended as an entry point to the to my general listeners. Okay, okay. Um, so. I guess the first question everyone asks is, where did the idea come from? And I'm guessing it might have been that doco that I watched about the car, electric yeah, car conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it all kind of started 2009, sitting at my desk. I mean, the wonderful thing about Unitech is I managed to do lots of projects uh, in my spare time. Um, and, um, yeah, saw Who Killed the Electric Car, which is the kind of iconic electric car, a doco. And if people don't know about it, it's basically about in the 90s, 
GM built a really awesome electric car and they leased it out to lots of people. Then they went, uh, they did it because of a, a law change and then the law got changed back and they went, oh, we don't want people to have those, even though they were really efficient, everyone loved them and they got them back and they crushed them. Okay, and this all got covered up and then through this documentary it got um, it got brought out. But this re- just remind me, because it's been a while since I watched it, the, the undertone to all of it, or it might even be really explicit, mm. is it's lobbying from big petrol and yeah, so, so on. Yeah, so the big petrol cartel. Yeah, 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 just yeah, went, yeah. We, need to, we don't want to change Shelters. anything. Yeah. Um, we don't really want to change what we're doing or retool the factories or anything. We just want to get rid of it. So they got rid of it. Um, well, we also want to keep selling oil because yeah. it makes, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I mean, you know, electric cars have been around since the 1800s. I mean, there's a Roush and Lang uh, electric town coupe uh, down in the uh, uh, Southwoods Car Museum out of Wellington. As uh, introduced by the Chris <laughs> yeah. in the documentary series. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, that thing re- had like, you know, it was there by Tiller, had a little vase with flowers in it. It was hysterical, but, you know, very popular, yeah. you know, but they, again shelved it um so yeah we saw that then uh was watching the old channel six channel seven that tvnz before yeah back TVNZ the, seven was it seven it was seven yeah, wasn't TVNZ it seven, yeah they're yeah. great just docos and all that yeah. sort of stuff and there was a guy in in uh, uh, uh louisiana who made a a, a, a datsun converted a datsun to yeah. electric uh to electric dragster using wow. cell phone batteries and i went Oh, that looks really easy. But hang on, a, drag, a, a dragster like it like it was uh, it was able beating to, all the to com- cars. compete. Yeah. Really, it was light. You know, there's not much to made it. with old Nokia batteries. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. What do you do? You squish and mush, mush them all together like <laughs> soap. You know, when you get all the old soaps, is that what you do? Is that how you, you just spend a lot of time <laughs> connecting one to the other to the other? It is like soap mushing. <laughs> It's like anyone who played with Lego or Duplo, same yeah. kind of concept, you know. So you see the doco, you, you, you get online yeah. and you find a guy in Louisiana who's built this built car. It. And wh- what, what, um, uh, petrol- era, what era, sorry, what era are we in here? Like 2010? So 2009. So there's two, yeah. 2009. Um, petrol had just gone up to two bucks. My salary wasn't very big. Prices That's in, when it got up to around two thirty. Yeah, yeah, it was, or something. It was, it was nuts. ridiculous. It's going that way again. Yeah, yeah, I know. And yeah. I was living out west as I am now, but um, it was just costing me heaps. And I was like, I just got really pissed off. To be honest, I was yeah. like, What? Why? This technology makes so much sense. Why are we not doing it? Because capitalism. Exactly. So um, I just, yeah. I find that funny from what I've learned in the last 24 hours about the process that you mm. went into it as, a, as, an, econ- as an economic... Um, <laughs> it as, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going well, to save some the, money here. Yeah, yeah. That was the first stage of it. I went, I'm going to save some money and I love building stuff. And yeah. it doesn't look that hard. And, um, and you know... You know, we're supposed to be clean, green in New Zealand. and I was going to say that would be the other one that, yeah, was obviously the, the environmental thing because you basically pull out everything that um, moves pollutes. or pollutes <laughs> or creates, you know, from, from, from friction-based um, heavy particles mm. to mm. oil and ga- mm. gas emissions, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 all, all gone. Goes. Now, were you... The way you speak of it is like the guy on the internet was a was a rare find. Were you the first person in New Zealand to? No, no. no. So there's this so guy, fam- famous, famous guy. He's famous, yeah. Gavin. Yeah. Gavin Shoebridge. So Gavin yeah. was uh, living in uh, New Plymouth. I think it was New Plymouth. 
did a little YouTube series and he kind of did the, the poor man's conversion, which yeah. was getting this nasty Mitsubishi 1989 Tridia. And he ripped everything out and he put everything in and he put in uh, lead, lead gel batteries. So, yeah. you know, the big Trojan, you know, car, truck battery kind of things. Yeah. And did this really cool, he's quite quirky, Gavin. Yeah. And he did this quite cool kind of YouTube series over 10 parts shot in his garage. Yeah. Um, and, uh, just step by step. Now I'm plugging this in. Yeah. And, you know, oh, let's get it myself. You know, but how um, important for you guys all watching to try and figure out. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's a bit of a superstar in the conversion world. And, um, you know, and what I love is all those people are really like, yeah, I'll help you out. Yeah. Go here, get yeah. that. So then that, those conversations started. This is, what, this is the good side. This is what the internet was intended for. Absolutely. This is the good side of the internet. Because mm. that's the other thing I wanted to ask, and I just thought about this as I spoke to you about it, is 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 this something that obviously just didn't stop between 1918 and <laughs> when the internet was invented. Yeah. So is there a history of people doing this over the decades? Or is, is, is the internet really... Absolutely. Has the internet really... Um, yeah, no, no, it's absolutely been going on. I mean, you know, in the... F- people mailing each other, like, um, handwritten diagrams and stuff, I would imagine, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah. so I met a guy in Christchurch um, uh, who made uh, electric trucks yeah. um, out of, uh, I think they were forklift motors and, you know, bits and pieces and, and during the... Fuel crisis in the seventies, I want to say. Yeah, Carlos days yeah. and all of that late seventies. So he just went, oh, well, we'll just build electric cars. So he built seven electric cars and was starting seven. To, yeah, seven. These and they're kind of like vans, really. And he was uh, built or converted. He actually built. He built them out of wow, parts of amazing. different cars, yeah. and then started selling them. And then, of course, petrol went down, and everyone started driving again. So that kind of went out the window. But there's a history of those little projects for many, many years in New Zealand. Yeah. We love building stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, also with import laws back then, I'd imagine, you know, often we built stuff because we couldn't, you couldn't get, get stuff in. Mm. Um, I'm in this, um, I'm in this pim- competitive pinball um, uh, community, which yes. I, th- I found quite analogous to, to your crew, kind yeah. of wat- watching it, you know, talking about helping each other out, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But the stuff I've learned through that, like um, the reason in the, in the like 70s and 80s when video games became really big globally that, yeah. we, that we didn't have like say a game like Frogger you wouldn't have the amazing original artwork and and um you know top panel and stuff visually is cuz um you just couldn't import that stuff because we had a you know um I, I don't exactly know how it works but you had to make it was to encourage local industry you couldn't yeah. import so that's why we had all these sort of homemade or, not, or, or New Zealand made generic video game cabinets and all the fish and chip shops and stuff across <laughs> yeah. New Zealand. Yeah. It's because someone had to come up with some way to get the games in and making money. And then people would smuggle in. I don't know if you know, it's just a ROM board. That's yeah, what yeah, your yeah, games yeah, yeah. On. So you smuggle that into the country. <laughs> and just load and, it up. And just load it up. Yeah. Um, so why did you choose, and, and this relates to a lot of the car choices in the admittedly brief amount of research I did. Mm. Um, why? The first thing I thought is why choose such an old car? Because you chose a 1990. Toyota, and I would have thought, isn't there just potential issues there with, with, with rust and so on, with warrants and stuff? Or was it just that you want to start with a cheap car? What, yeah. yeah, I mean, financially, you want to start with a cheap car, but also, yeah, you want to start with a cheap car, a car that you can hopefully get parts for. Toyota, yeah. Um, a car that, for me, because I was going down the docker road at the same time, that someone's already done. 
What? So I what, know what? I could complete it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> if I was going on a completely <laughs> new thing, there's no guarantee. I mean, need that third act. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So, um, so I stumbled across this. I'd seen this car driving around, and I went, "Oh, that's quite cool." Had no idea that the thing had wing doors like a DeLorean. You know, it was just this cool-looking thing with a big glass roof, and um, and uh, kind of searched around, and then found a guy in Australia who'd converted one. Yeah, I went. Oh, that's really cool. And when you see someone converting the car, you go, oh, it's possible. That bolt goes there. Oh, yeah. you know, you know, it all kind of starts clicking into place. Yeah. So I started searching around and found a totally knackered uh, Toyota Sierra with like a pinprick of rust on it. Just in case people miss that, what I really like about the car is it's sort of got this crazy retro future thing <laughs> going on that really suits the project. Yeah. There's sort of like a, a poor man's DeLorean. <laughs> yeah. So it's got wing doors and a glass roof. It's like the well, it's actually the, built the, on the, the player mobile yeah. from 1990. Yeah, totally. Everyone apparently in the EV community, according to my my uh, co-host, used to call me the EV hipster, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I was totally unaware of. Yeah, fixed gear. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's actually built on a on the chassis of a really nasty Toyota Cynos, which is um, which was great for me because I could get the parts. But um, so they were a concept car that. Just a few of them came into New Zealand, and you found one 30 years later with a pinprick of rust on it. Yeah, because they're really popular, and they made three phases. They had the phase one, which had the wing doors. Wow. Yeah. The phase two, which had something like ABS and, um, and, a, and a surround sound. And the phase three, which had um, air filtration. Mm. Um, um, and uh, but, but okay, so they, they were quite popular. So, so there was actually a lot of them in, brought into New Zealand. They were yeah, like a, they didn't pass oh. New Zealand regulations at the time. So right. they imported one in to get it certified, yeah. and it's actually at the Southwoods Car Museum, the first ever yeah, Toyota yeah. Sierra that came into the country um, because of the seatbelt placement. Right. At the time, didn't fit the rigs, so they couldn't sell them new here. So they've only been imported in. Okay, so what I'm trying to basically get to the bottom of is yeah. <laughs> since all of that, is there a handful of them in New Zealand, or did a lot of them come in? I think there's quite a few. Quite a few I, yeah. I think you're probably talking, uh, you know, maybe maybe five hundred thousand of them. I mean, they only made sixteen thousand of them. Yeah. To so put you, things in so, so, so you get so you get the car, and, get it, the car. and it must be like. Oh, by the way, I've got to point out um, to listeners that, that this is quite important. Although with Theo's a tinkerer and so on, mm. you you have no uh, automotive or, no, or mechanics no. background. No, no, no. God, yeah. no, 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 no petrol no. heads in the family. No, no, no. no not at all. Yeah. No. Um, so you get the car, you must be like, well, fuck, I'm committed now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I forked down, you know, two grand for this car, pick it up. The thing's got blown out piston rings, so yeah. it's smoking like a, you know, yeah. anything. And I've got to get it. Out of there without getting pulled over by the cops. Do you, so tell, like, <laughs> do you tell the owner what you're going to do with it? Uh, yeah, he's yeah. a bit of kind of a, a nutty, nutty professor type character. I love this. And yeah. um, and you know, kind of do- yeah, he was a bit dodgy. Um, but I got the car off him, yeah. which is the main thing. Um, so you got to get it home. Uh, get it home. Uh, well, the cops. Gotta, at the same time, I'm trying to find a garage, right? So I'm going around everyone, going, "Hey, I'm going to build an electric car," and everyone just laughs in my face and go, "Whatever." I'm at Unitech. I'm like, I'll go to the automotive guys. They'll help me out. They're like, yeah, whatever. Stumble across a garage, an abandoned garage at Unitech um, and next to a workshop. Walk into this workshop and there's the master carver, Lionel Grant, who built the Unitech Mirai. Wow. And Lionel, he's awesome. He's just this, you know, really friendly guy. You finally get a yes. And I go, hey, Lionel, I'm looking for a garage. What do you want to do with it? Build an electric car? He's like, awesome. (laughs) Yes. And I was just like, oh, there is a God, you know. And he goes, 
have a look at this. The garage next to it opens the door. He's restoring a 1950s Zephyr. Wow. Uh, you know, piece by piece, meticulously. And he goes, okay, there's your garage. So he gives me this garage full of crap uh, and a possum. And uh, says, you know, clear that out and you can use it. Um, but by crap, do you mean tools that would become handy later on for... No, just bits just of crap. wood, <laughs> just crap. Uh, yeah. and, um, uh, and he says, okay, your goal is to uh, finish your electric car before I finish my Zephyr, which proved out to be quite easy. Um, uh, so, yeah, so I got the garage. So then once I had the garage, I was kind of committed <laughs> and so you're thinking what's it going to cost at this stage no me? idea you have no idea i've got a vague idea i'm vague thinking idea. 10 to 20 i've got about three grand to my name and i've spent two grand of on a car yeah so, um, what, so what happens next just take me through this you know I can, as i say three, yeah. I, I want three x i want a, I want a catalyst i, <laughs> yeah, want, I yeah. want i want a couple of turning points and i, <laughs> and I want a climax and a resolution please. yeah yeah so i enlist my mates uh robin g who i used to work with at unitech yeah. and uh one of the students at the time, Sebastian Telfer, who, yeah. who's now over at Sky, and I go, hey, guys, I'm going to build an electric car, do you help? And I went, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. That's what I love about it, yeah. You know, like, um, all you, the naysayers, you yeah, just assemble yeah. a bunch just of, Just a like, couple of mates. Optimistic just, nutters. Yeah, they've seen me do some crazy stuff, you know, I do lots, I've done lots of, you know, projection and stuff over the years, so yeah. they've, I've helped them out a lot, so they were like, oh, I'll we'll help you out. So, um, yeah, so, you know, Seb help me, helps me pick up this car and we get it in the shed and we clear it out. And then basically over the next uh, month or so, we were like, yeah, we're gunning for it. So I get some film students, they get some cameras, I get a crew, I get some lights. And we rip the engine out of this car with basically some rusty tools yeah. and realize, oh, it's a Japanese import. We don't have the, uh, the repair manual, do we? So we don't really know what we're doing. Yeah. We're just pulling out bits going, I don't know what that is. Um, I think there's one moment that's quite telling with your automotive knowledge where the radiator was pulled out and you were like, yes, that's the engine out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bit of a mistake. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah we, were, we were having great fun just uh, playing that one up. And, uh, so you're just pulling, you're pulling out anything that's related to internal combustion yeah, engines. Yeah, so, so you've got, the you've, got, you've got radiator, you've got engine you've got gas tank you've yeah. got clutch system so you can choose to keep keep the clutch or remove it yeah. or keep bits of it so yeah. i keep bits of it so i remove the clutch itself but yeah. keep the gears because yeah. an electric car generally just has one gear well two gears if you want to count reverse yeah um uh and even then it might not be a gear it might be an electronic thing so um so I went with the keeping the keeping the uh, the uh, gears the gears because the conversion in Australia had done a similar thing and I could work out how to put them together, bolt it to the gearbox. Yeah. So um, yeah, so all that sort of petrol stuff just pulled out and we sold the engine for scrap and we just kept the brake system, the twelve volt system, so all the lights and all the uh, componentry there, and uh, kept the air conditioning pump, uh, power steering pump. Uh, but other than that, everything came out. Yeah. Exhaust pump, gas tank, all gone. Okay, so it sounds simple from here. You just bung a battery in and drive away, don't you? Yeah, that's what we all hope. So then the next stage was pretty quick. I think I got a little bit of money from Unitech at the moment because they went, oh, maybe he maybe he, he isn't crazy. Oh, do you mean they wanted to sort of be, uh, back it as an yeah, educa- you know, educational institution backing one of their own to do a sort of an esoteric Yeah, not project? really. No. They, no, not that quite far. They were doing sustainability drive at Unitech yeah. and, um, and as a staff member, I could apply for a little bit of sustainability cool. yeah. funding. Yeah. So I got some of that. 
and uh, basically uh, that got me enough money to buy my electric motor from the States. Yeah. And so electric motor, um, you know, it's, you either go direct current or, or alternating current. I won't go into that because, you know. But um, I got a DC motor and got yeah. that into the States and then found this race workshop who made race car parts and went, yeah. okay, you see this gearbox and this electric motor? Yeah, can you join those together for me, please? Yeah. This is how I think it works, and I had all these specs. And they built me this beautiful kind of adapter plate. Yeah. So I got the motor in there. That was all very, again, going really well. You know, this is probably only a year in, you know, bolt it all together, clean the car up, get rid of all the oil, get rid of all that sort of stuff. And now we've just got to get all the componentry that controls the electric motor in. Before you do that, does this company in the States, just out of interest, make these for this hobbyist market or are they just electric yeah, so, motors for so, things in general so there's a lot of electric conversion parts suppliers out there and yeah. they've been around forever now as far as i'm aware conversions aren't regulated like they are here in new zealand so anyone can kind of go and convert an electric car uh, make an electric yeah. car i don't know how the re- the the certification works yeah but I think it's it's not as regulated right. as, as as it is here. So I got this yeah this awesome motor called the uh, Impulse. They're all named after after Star Trek terms. So you have got the Warp Nine and Impulse. You know. Uh, oh, the Warp Nine. That sounds. Yeah, yeah. So you, then you go sweet. It's all going gravy. You just yep. need to put the other components in. Yep, yep. So I get to that stage and I go, okay, I've run out of money. I've got this electric motor in. Filmed some stuff. Getting a bit of traction. People are talking about it. What are we going to do next? And so, where are you? Where are you showing this? Film stuff, just chucking it up online. And yeah, just chucking it up it. online. Yeah. I got a website going, yeah. trying to make something of it. You know, yeah, yeah, social fair, media fair, wasn't quite what it is play. now. You know, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. all kind of. I mean, it kind of tied in with all that development of social media and expansion of that. So yeah, yeah. it was all kind of new. Everything yeah. was kind of new at that stage. Um, and so I went, let's see who else is doing these electric cars in New Zealand. So I did an EV expo. Yeah. So we chucked the car on a trailer and we drove down to Tapac opposite Western Springs there and um, nearly ripped the bumper off the car, getting it off the car trailer yeah. um, and, uh, and invited as many EV converters as we could to turn up with their conversions. How many turned up? Uh, first time we got... Three or four, I think. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And there was, a, you know, guys there had built full-on race cars. And, you know, all these little people so were coming these, out, these of people, the yeah, yeah, out of the woodwork. Yeah, yeah, out of the woodwork in Auckland. Like, yeah. I, I, I live out in Henderson, and here's, yeah. my, here's my electric conversion. Yeah, wow. yeah. So, so, so before I made you go too, too far forward, because it seems to be you're about to get the components in, uh, mm. presumably before the expo. And, no, and, so and, we only had the electric motor oh, in for the first oh. expo. So that's okay. – and it was kind of generating interest to try and get some support. But it wasn't drivable at that point. No, no okay. it, was, yeah. it was on a trailer. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we did – did we do two of those? I can't remember whether we did two of those. Uh, we don't need to. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> Can't, can't remember. But, yeah, so that all started, and we kept going. And um, as the as the build went over, we kept on running those expos, and we got more and more conversions and more people, and we had talks. And oh, cool. um, it really kind of generated a little community around it, you know. Yeah. And I got people coming on board going, hey, I want to help out. So that's... Sponsorship-wise and stuff? Yeah. Not... Uh, it helped get my sponsorship for my batteries. So that's, that's when it led me to uh, guys in... Um, uh, the UK, called, who do this fantastic series called Racing uh, Racing Green Endurance, where they convert a radical race car and drive down the Pan American Highway through trying not to get killed by drug barons <laughs> in this electric car that they've built from Cambridge University, these guys are, and um, 
got in touch with them and went, hey, how'd you get your sponsorship? I'll talk to Kelly. So I talked to Kelly at this company called Winston Batteries and went, hey, I'm building an electric car. Oh, wow, that's cool. sponsorship. International sponsor. And they went, yeah, cool, what do you want? Um, can I have $10,000 worth of lithium batteries, please? Sure, yeah, we'll send them down. You just need to pay import Where are they? charges. They're in the UK. China. That's amazing. So once I had the batteries, I was like, you know, basically, yeah. that, that's half, you know, one third the cost of your conversion. Oh, that's amazing. I thought you'd footed all the whole cost. Yeah. No, yeah, so yeah. then I just had to get the, dry, the the bits that connect the motor to the batteries. So um, then we just went, okay, shit, they're arriving in a month. Let's get going. Um, but of course, this is all spread out over yeah. three years. Um, met this guy called Nick Smith, who's now the CTO of ChargeNet. So ChargeNet's a quick charge provider in New Zealand. And Nick was thankfully an engineer, so he helped me design my battery box to put these batteries in. And Lionel Grant, who gave me the shed, thankfully is a welder, and we just got welding. And yeah. we built, cut out massive holes in the car, and we uh, put these battery boxes in, and we fitted it all up, and it all looked pretty tidy. And Nick was excited because he got to try new ways of fasteners, and you know, engineers, you know what they're like. <laughs> they, they, oh, they're like, oh, look at this, look at this bolt. He's oh. excited. I'll just leave him. Yeah, he's yeah. working hard. Yeah. So, so thanks to those guys, and um, uh, you know, we really started going great guns. So. Um, uh, then the rest of it was just basically um, over that period of time, working with people in the community. Get, you know, when I had money, throwing a grand there to buy this and a grand there to buy that, and um, and and putting the controller in, which is just like a giant dimmer switch, basically. What control? Like a controller, like the ignition or something. Right? Yeah. So basically, your accelerator connects to a controller. The controller regulates how much power the electric motor is pulling. And so when it's all connected up. Hmm. And I'd imagine it's the great moment. It's amazing. <laughs> did, but did it did it go first time? Yeah, so, you know, one night, I mean, Nick, we've got the batteries in. What was the last thing you put in or the last thing you screwed on before you went to? Oh, well, you get quite finicky when you get to that point, don't you? Because you go, the wheels turned, oh, my God. Oh, what I want to do is put a really good stereo in now, and, and, I, and I need some cup holders. Oh, surely uh, you don't put the stereo in before you take it for the first drive. Of course. Uh, okay. Yeah, I wanted to have this thing you know, finished, and I put branding on the side of it, and all that, all that sort of stuff. So I was quite meticulous, and right. everyone said, you know, good on you. Yeah, everyone was quite amazed that a I pulled it off, and it didn't look half bad. Yeah. You know, everyone was expecting it to be held together with duct tape. Yeah. Um, have you got a good photo of you in the car? I, yeah, I do. I think we need I'm to sure, get that I'm before sure we put I this do. episode up because sure, I think the car yeah. needs. I think the, normally it's just a photo of the person, but I think we need to get yeah, the car yeah. in. And then, and then, um, yeah, and then uh, you know you've got to jump through a few hoops to get the car certified. Yeah. Um, so the car was kind of on the road and looking pretty tidy. Um, do you think that's don't be a conspiracy theorist or whatever? But do you think that's um, to do with? the petroleum industry or or is it no, just oh no no it's just it's um, just safety safety you know but you said you don't have to do it in the states so what interested me i, I sort of skipped through um episode two of your podcast mm. Actually, i didn't skip through that's selling short i listened to most <laughs> of it and then i had to make some dinner yeah um but I, the bit i caught that sounded quite interesting and slightly frustrating was to do with weight and japanese people and <laughs> european people so that's my big thing so when yeah. you build a car you pay the the uh, lvvta ta ltsa yeah low yeah. vehicle volume association oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. that's what they're called 
And they come and cert- send out a certifier and they tell you what they're worried about. Yeah. Now, what's great about that is they hadn't seen many conversions. So I was yeah. telling them how it worked. Yeah. Um, this is a this is the battery, you know. It's, it was and they're desperate, like trying to do something to justify the job. <laughs> yeah, um, I yeah. should worry about yeah, the yeah. third thing. You I'm told worried me about. about the weight of the car. How, so so basically, it came down to red tape at the end of the day. So I built this car based on the numbers. You get the 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 curb weight of the car and the gross vehicle mass. Is right. that, is that, in other words, a car with people in it? <clears throat> car with people, gas tank, and full tank and full trunk luggage. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the curb weight, and you've got to work within those weight requirements. Yeah. Okay, and if you do the math, um, in New Zealand, a person, a person in a car is supposed to be eighty kgs. Yeah. So I was taking two seats out. So yeah. there's you know one hundred and sixty kgs of batteries I can put in. Okay, so it's taking the two rear seats out, and then petrol tank, oh, gas okay. tank, so, so, so all that weight's coming out. So this is important to clarify: an electric car is in fact heavier rather than lighter than a regular car. Not necessarily. If oh, no. you're really okay. smart, like Nick Smith is, he's doing an MX-5 conversion. You can you can keep within those requirements. But I was going for range. So you, you effectively take your range, right? So you, you want you want as much power as possible. So you take the mm. two back seats out, which effectively would be two people. So yeah. you get 160 kg yeah. of battery in and then... And your motor and your gas tank and, your, yeah. and all that. And then I have to go and drive this thing illegally to a weighing station and keep measuring it, basically, as I'm yeah. doing all this, this stuff. And then I'm like, right, cool. And then the, the certified turns up and he goes, yeah, I think I've just had a little snag. What's that? Well, the car's an import. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the paperwork where you can find for the car says that uh, the passenger weight has to be 50 kgs per person, which is apparently how much uh, Japanese people weigh. Yeah. Um, and I said, how does that work? So when it comes in the countries, <laughs> it's certified for 80, but we have to go to the paperwork in Japan, which says it's certified for 50. Yeah. He wasn't a common sense guy, or he just had well, to go by the rule of law? He just had to go by the yeah, rule of okay. law. Yeah. Um, and, and that's when I was like, if they had sold that car at Southwoods Car Museum in New Zealand and there was a paper record of it, or paper records associated with that car, it would show 80 kgs per person. So I spent months trying to track that paperwork down and couldn't find it. So um, basically I had to rip out a chunk of batteries, oh. 32 32 kgs, uh, 32 batteries I brought, brought out, which reduced my range from about 160 k's to 100 k's, which is still plenty, let's be honest. Um, you could have driven down to the corner and put them back in. And that's what he said I was going to do. And But I also... what, what <laughs> You say on the podcast you didn't, and then there's a little laugh, and I'm like, hmm, this is the great unknown. I may have put one back in. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, yeah. Uh, but I'm sure I pulled something out. And, and the car actually was only certified to carry one person. Yeah. It was ridiculous. So he was like, pull that seat out, pull those batteries out, and I'll give you the certification plate that goes on your car. So I went... So he okay. was he was overall kind of helpful guy. He wasn't being. He was a, a really a nice guy. He's okay. retired now. Yeah. He was really actually really sympathetic, and he really wanted to help me. And he thought it was a really good build. And and you know, that when we went for the road test and we we're driving down the uh, the the southern motorway, and he slammed on the brakes, I shat my pants because I was like, if these brakes don't, ca- I built this car, and if this emergency stop doesn't work right, we're going into that barrier. You know. Um, it's yeah. quite interesting, but you know the car held up and all passed all the regulations with the flying colours. Once we got that extra weight out, and um, and they just make um, a noise like a trolley bus. They just no noise. Yeah, there's just a low kind of yeah. It's like a trolley bus, I guess. A low hum. It's pretty nice once you get used to it. It must be quite trippy at first driving yeah. a car. Well, it's because you stop at the lights and there's no sound. No sound. 
You'll hear the vacuum pump, which generates the vacuum for your brake system, kick in occasionally, going, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, keeps it at a certain vacuum. And um, do you get a few, few people like, like you know, how do I put it? Like, they're on the street, yeah. and they know something's not right. You know what I mean? Because there should be noise, but they don't yeah. quite click. Well, I, I, I put a little badge on the back, just took away the yeah. Sierra sign and put electric, you know. And, yeah. and obviously what I found is people would drive behind me and go, Electric and they'd back up to look for the exhaust, exhaust pipe. pipe. Yeah, and then they'd go, "There's no exhaust pipe there." It's been neutered. Yeah, you know. Or I'd get to, a, to the supermarket and someone would be like, "It's not really electric, is it?" I'm like, "Dude, did you hear me drive in here?" No, exactly. How um, many years did you drive it for? Three years. And was you were my dri- daily you, driver. You drive your daily driver. That's amazing. Every day. So you must have uh, saved you know, such a, a ton of money. <laughs> such a co- you, so, such a uh, com- oh, so you did because the bill. If you hadn't have been sponsored, it was like a thirty thousand dollar. No, is it that high? Yeah. It was an expensive project, right? Uh, yeah, I you, you can you can go as nuts as you want with it, but yeah. generally, even for a basic conversion, you're probably looking at about twenty. But battery so prices you, you, are you, coming down you, you, now. You didn't spend that much with support and stuff, did you? I probably chucked in. Let's be generous. Ten grand of my own money. Wow! I didn't. Oh, that's fantastic! Congratulations! And mm. and um and you drove it for three years. Yep. So and you were spending what on well, nothing. electricity? Well, ten dollars? Oh no no no! I, you know, probably worked out to two to four bucks a charge. Yeah. At home. Yeah. At night. No. And. And then, oh, just, just the... And, and the, the, what, what I was really proud of is that once it rolled off the assembly line, <laughs> apart from one embarrassing moment when I was taking my partner to the airport and I blew up fuse... Um, uh, I knew this car was a bad idea. Uh, yeah, 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 all that. Um, uh, it just, three years, just kept going. So it's dawning on me now that <laughs> you actually... All of this money we pour into cars is mainly because we're dealing with the sort of corrosive, the the nature of internal combustion engines, right? Yeah. So that's all the stuff we're getting repaired. Maybe your brakes, your brakes would need doing. You still need no, to get your brake drums and stuff. No, why I not? didn't touch it. Well, yeah, yeah you, you would, would yeah, yeah, eventually. Yeah. But so I'm starting to see the economic ramifications of this as a cultural change because mm. you knock out a large majority of the mechanic industry. You do, unfortunately. You, you, you knock out gas stations. You knock. I'm right with you, by the mm. way. I'm mm. just saying yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see how many stakeholders there are. Because the, we are... But they have to adapt. I we, mean, no, totally. But that's what I mean. We are slaves to oil. Yeah, Our whole world absolutely. runs on it. Right? Absolutely. Did it make you more kind of militant, more of an activist along the way around no, these sort of things? No, no. I didn't no, want to... No, I just had a sweet car, bro. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't want to shove it down people's throats. I'm, I, I've never been that kind of... Yeah. Person, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's right. You know, if you like it, you know, people who loved it, loved it. And people who who were going to, you know, the people who came up and went, oh, that doesn't make any sense. You know, what happens if you run out of electricity on the motorway? Why are these people, why are people like that? There were so many. You fucking, so many. You you sad, like, angry. (laughs) Electricians would come up to me and go, that's ridiculous. You're an electrician. You understand it. You could repair this. You could be the next EV repairman. I mean, yeah. you know, um, uh, it kind of blew my mind. But, um, you know, they've kind of dwindled off. Come to 2017, they, 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 they're kind of, you know, um, swallowing their words. But, um, so what's a hybrid? Hybrid's half... Um, There's multiple varieties, but it's basically... A, so a Prius yeah. is your standard hybrid, which yeah. has got a battery pack. Yeah. And the electric motor has a generator. Uh, the, the the petrol motor has a generator which yeah. tops up the batteries, and it's kind of a 
it's a hybrid thing. So and, you, and the argument for a hybrid is you get more range. range. Yep. Okay. And save on gas. The other thing I, I need clarifying is, mm. um, or you're probably even explaining, is um, there's, in terms of public places to charge, how many are there kind of in Auckland or whatever? Well, so... Um, uh, so if you lift it, listen to my podcast, the NZEV podcast, a little, oh, nice, uh, nice. P- nice little insert there. Um, uh, so D West. It's the NZEV podcast. <laughs> um, D West, who's my co-host, her and her husband, Steve West, who's uh, started up Serato. You may know ah, Serato. Right. Um, uh, they, they basically went, I met them at my expos, right? Yeah. I had a child and dropped off the face of the earth for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. um, and they kind of, didn't pick up from where I left off. They were kind of doing their own thing, but they really pushed. They started some beautiful things out there, and one of them was a charging network. Right. So he made crazy money when he sold out of Serato. Yeah, yeah, I imagine he did. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's got seven Teslas, and they ain't cheap. Um. Yeah. Uh. So, well, seven electric cars. Um. And um. Yeah. So they basically does. They set up a network. They set up a network yeah, that yeah, yeah. quick charges your car, so yeah. you can get a, a entry level electric car, which is a Nissan Leaf, which yeah. wasn't available in New Zealand when I was building my car, right? Yeah. Which is part of the reason I built my car. There was was nothing available. Yeah. Um, and this thing basically, you drive your hundred k's or whatever, quick charge in twenty minutes. Grab a coffee, grab a bagel, jump back in the car, do another hundred k's. That's what I was. That's the next thing I was going to ask you. Thank you. As we've gone from you talking about an eight-hour process, mm. which I thought was just like, how are we going to? That's incredibly impractical, you know, yeah. out on the road. So, is it what's changed it to twenty? Is it the battery technology, the charging technology has changed? It's always been around, yeah. but it, it's developing rapidly. So right. it's a mixture of both. Basically, the charging technology is relatively simple, yeah. but um, uh, it's been built. Yeah. You know what I mean? The battery chemistry is changing. So lithium batteries, like your cell phone, can take enormous amounts of charge very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So combine that with your fast charger. So at home, you plug into your outlet. It's yeah. 8 amps or 10 amps, yeah. right? That's going to take you, you know, 8 hours, 9 hours, which is called a slow charge, like a, or yeah, like yeah. a home uh, slow, yeah, yeah, yeah. slow charge, which is fine. It costs you 2 bucks at home, whatever. But if you're going on a long trip and you don't have enough range, you've got to do either a destination charger um, or a fast charger. So, like, destination might be a little bit faster, like 15 amps or yeah. 30 amps, and, you know, you're cutting your charge time down by a couple of hours. And then you go to the big boys, which are the, the fast chargers, and the fast chargers basically pumping huge amounts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. energy um, and get you up to about 80% of your pack within 20 minutes. So it sounds like, well, it's quite a, quite a, um, it's quite a, it's quite amazing that two private investors have set up that network. Yeah. How many of them in Auckland? Did you already say that? How many um, stations? Oh, I, I, if you, if you go to the ChargeNet website yeah. or the, Every day they seem to be launching one at the moment. Um, and then does it like, is it all like, around the does country? Does it have a sort of an FPOS system where you. Just a swipe card. Just a swipe card. No, five, five bucks or five whatever bucks instead of a hundred. Fast, fast I'm, I just pulled a figure up. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, you know, yeah. um, it's pretty cheap. You know, it's, it's an electric car. They've done a study. Electric car over the lifespan of its. Um, uh, like, if you were to take it alone, buy an electric car, it would pay itself off. Yeah. Right. That's basically in maintenance. The cost you pay to maintain your yeah. petrol car. Petrol car pays, and, and then eventually it will start paying you. I wonder what a new Nissan Leaf costs. Uh, 
Well, they don't sell them here. That's a conspiracy theory. So oh. Nissan don't sell new Nissans and uh, Le- Nissan Leafs. They're yeah. all imports. Right. They will be, hopefully, with the new one coming out, they'll start selling them again. I wonder how much an import would be then. Second-hand import, new oh, import. 10 grand. 10 grand. Starting at 10, going up to 20, 30. I just spent eight and a half on a second-hand petrol car. Yeah, exactly. It's very nice, though. Yeah. And for you, in a city, man. Yeah. In a city, man. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Nissan yeah. Leaf. Lots of free fast charges down by AUT. Are there free um, charges? Yeah, there's, how, so how, Victor how, and Mercury and those guys are kind of rolling out some free charges. I imagine they'll charge it. Yeah, char- the charge for charge? Charge for the charge. Yeah. Um, at some stage. But, um, I know. think I saw one near a... I've driven past somewhere in Auckland where there's one, there's one set up at a, at a, between a service station and a supermarket somewhere quite yeah. major. But the reality is you don't need to use those charges. You only need to use those charges if you don't have enough range to get home because it's going to be cheaper to charge at home. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I, I know that one. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm wearing the headphones. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's cheaper, cheaper to charge at home. Yeah, I'll cheaper to charge at home, of course, of course. And if you've got an uh, energy provider who's got a special rate, you might get a really cheap rate for charging your car. So I'll be out there on the street. I just have to run an extension cord through down the hallway. Yeah, that's where it gets a little bit. But, you know, in Wellington, everyone uses the fast chargers because they don't, they don't have garages. Yeah. So that's when the fast yeah, charging comes right. into so, play. So that's really cool that the, ne- really cool. the, ne- the network's being set on up. Um, do you? Th- this is. I mean, it's total. Do you? Do you think um, that there'll be a mass exodus away from um, essentially oil and petrol-driven stuff? Do you think it's going to happen in our lifetime? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the stats, yeah, all the manufacturers have basically been pushed into. Making electric cars or plug-in oh, hybrids. Oh, yeah, you, well, you mean like, glo- like glo- global lobbying bodies are yeah. getting them to so do the that? So the cars okay. that are coming in... So who's leading that? Environmental groups and so on. Lots of governments and stuff, changing regulations around pollute, pollution and except sustainability. For the, except, for the, except for Trump. Except for the USA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so except Trump's one. ditching everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you listen to one of our podcasts, we Terrifying. talked to Chelsea Sexton, who was on Who Killed the Electric Car, and yeah. you know she was going, oh, I hope they don't get rid of the EV incentives, and of course they are now. Um, so that's really sad. Um, but this, sorry, we stick to the positive. So the, yeah. the fact that that change is being enforced, I think, is fantastic. And com- countries like the the Swedes and Norway and 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 they're basically going, okay, twenty twenty, you know, China twenty forty, we're not going to sell petrol cars anymore. Can't get one. You know, there's so many levels to this. And it in just takes. There's so many happen. levels to this in terms of how how it changes things. Because I just thought of another thing. Mm. I lived in Melbourne for about seven years. Yeah. Okay, and I and I and I and I um, went back. I've obviously been back a number of times, um, and I had lunch in the middle of um, town. Yeah. Yeah. Trams. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Now, compare that to the diesel buses in the middle of Auckland. Mm. So even on like a, a noise pollution level, the the difference in not having really loud vehicular noise everywhere is quite, it would actually be it would be quite trippy waking up tomorrow and the whole transport network was electrified like from a yeah. you know what I'm, do you yeah. know what I'm meaning yeah. from like a person yeah. on the street point yeah. of view yeah. you feel like the day the earth stood still I know because we've grown you're a city boy I'm yeah. a city boy yeah. we've grown up yeah. and just no, just just mechanical noise pollution I know right? I know yeah it's quite yeah it's quite bizarre yeah. you know especially if you, you you I mean if you drive an electric car it's the first thing First you, thing I thought of, yeah, yeah. is yeah. the sound, you know, just and and in my car, mine's really soundproof, so I don't really hear anything. I just hear the tires on the road and the wind and the uh, and the birds, you know. Yeah. It's like, um, it's pretty amazing. I mean, there's a fantastic documentary called Charge about the introduction uh, introduction of electric 
bikes to the um, race around the Isle of Man, the yeah. Grand TT. Is it Grand TT? Yeah. Um, and all the drivers are like, yeah, it's really trippy because you're going <laughs> yeah. insanely fast. <laughs> But I just want to put my arms out like I'm a bird because it's yeah. just amazing. Yeah, you know? yeah. You're just hearing people having their conversations as you're driving past and it's, it's a different world, you know. Uh, and so through all of that, um, just in closing, mm. um, you're, you've got a film crew around and you, are you directing the documentary as well as the Yeah, as well oh, as you the mean my, my evbuilders.co? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What, so what's it called? It's up online. It's called... Um, yeah, it's called Convert Me. As I, like, as I like the entendre. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was it was going to be a, a six parter originally. Um, uh, so we got the first two up pretty quick, smart, and then the third we kind of did a rough cut. But then, basically, you know, it was a long project. So the people who were helping me out, God bless them, you know, they had to do other things, which I totally understand. And yeah. I had crews come and go, and um, it got to a stage where the I was getting a bit tricky to monitor the quality of the footage. So the the stuff I kind of had towards the end, even though it was the crucial time to be filming it, wasn't that great. And it was just kind of hard to... I didn't have the headspace, really, to think about how I wanted to end it. So I've kind of sat on it for a while. I, I think I've, you've popped up on a few couple of podcasts and stuff lately, and you talked about it when you came in. Yeah. I, I think it could almost be a revival of... Of, of all of this view in a way like mm. getting the doc you know getting the doco showing somewhere and well exactly so you know, i think i think you know i enjoyed i enjoyed what i saw of it yeah yeah it was great fun we tried to keep it entertaining and um uh you know just i didn't i was like look i don't mind looking like a complete idiot because it, half the time i was yeah. um but that's part of the the enjoyment factor of it you know yeah. um uh, that we pulled it off, yeah. A and uh, B. Oh, that's that we, amazing, we worked it out as we went, and um, so I think 2018 may be the year I actually finish it. So um, uh, you know, I just after now my son's nearly three. I was like, I've got to get back into the community. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't feeling whole. I had to do that, something. That's what I was going to ask as well. Was um, like like my um, like my my lovable uh, pinball geeks. Um, uh, you've you've discovered a kind of community and all the stuff that yeah. goes with that as well. Yeah, eh? yeah, yeah, you totally. Know? Yeah, it's quite trippy because probably they... find people with kind of similar values based on the reason yeah, that they you know, reasons yeah, they decided to do it. And... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is changing rapidly. We used to know everyone in the industry, and yeah. now there's all these new people. We have no idea who they are, yeah. and. Um, but, um, you know, it was, it was kind of cool. They had the first EV World Expo uh, this year in Auckland. And, you know, it was the proper thing. You know, cars from all the manufacturers, people building stuff, all that sort of it's stuff. It's like the world's quietest motorcycle gang. Yeah, yeah. And there's really Do they have cool. motorbikes? Yeah, yeah. There's a guy. Oh, that would be crazy. <laughs> you need to listen to my episode. I, uh, I will, I will. Uh, uh, Sice Tacoma. Okay. He's a really clever guy. He's converting the trolley buses in Wellington. Can you tell me that's a, that's weird? They've stopped those after all those years. Well, they're just all they're doing is they're actually turning them into kind of plat- hybrids. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a positive. So, it's yeah, a positive. Right. So they're, um, just, they're recycling. While you're talking about the episodes um, on your podcast, mm. you mentioned you had a, an American guest on um, from, from that film. Yeah. What what episode's that? Uh, I think it's uh, episode four. Episode four. Chelsea Sexton's her name, and she's a she is a, a superstar, an EV superstar, and she sold the EV one um, in the early days of electric cars, and you know would lease them, you know least was responsible for getting them into the hand of celebrities. So that yeah. when they were crushed, there was a bit of publicity the, around that. The, the the Beats by Dre method, you know, yeah. you know that just just get them on yeah. people's heads. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so she's been kind of lobbying governments and talking with 
uh, countries about rolling out this sort of stuff about EVs. Uh, she's got a wealth of knowledge, you know. So she's really cool. She was really lovely to talk with. Now, I'm no uh, bong-smoking, the Rothschilds uh, <laughs> run the world, um, Tower 7 kind of guy. But uh, did, has, she had any, uh, has she had any sort of uh, dark presences in her life as a result of her lobbying and so on? I'm sure. I'm sure she's got... I think she said she's got you know some pretty hateful yeah. uh, emails and things like that. I mean, there's always two guys be one. reading a newspaper outside in a car outside her house. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's all there's been a lot of that sort of stuff over the years. But they, I think that's probably going to start cutting off now because yeah. they're you know on the way here I saw three electric cars. I like the you, <laughs> no, you I like the positivity of it. I think too often with the news and stuff these days, it's easy to get caught up and humans are totally messed up. It's all going the wrong way. But yeah. there, is, there is positive change happening. There you know? is. And I mean, look, you know, everyone's going on about autonomous vehicles and that's the next thing is we're going to have basically self-driving EVs. Have you read, uh, this has come up twice on the podcast, but you've got to go and have a look if mm. you haven't. Have you read about the ethical side of all of that? Oh, all these yes. ethical dilemmas yes. they're trying to figure out. Yes. Yep. If you if you if you are wealthy and buy the deluxe model, yeah. does the software yeah. not kill you and yeah. kill the person in the other car? That's awesome. Have you heard? Yeah. Does it? Do you take out the three? This is to take out. Does the software run over the three children on the road yeah. or the elderly person? Which yeah. one has more value? Yeah. Because yeah. the software is getting to a level now where it's going to be able to go. Old per- well, I don't know about old person, but <laughs> I just but, being but short. A bit silly. Uh, but 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 Did you want to say short person? Yeah. What have you got to get yeah. short well, people? That's the thing. Three children or a midget? You know, <laughs> it's it's gonna get it's gonna get really complex. <laughs> you know, yeah. And and these they're all, It's not like lidar. Children or a midget? <laughs> <laughs> you know, are, are we even allowed to call them midgets? I, I apologise. <laughs> um. Uh, um uh, but but you know it's <laughs> excellent. Uh, uh, it's they're all cameras, so it's going to be yeah. able to read the stuff. It's not lidar, it's not radar, it's cameras. You know, uh, I, th- I mean, look, it's a, it's it's extraordinary, and, and if anything you know, feels like the science fiction of the past, it's that. I'm sure I've seen that in, in something, but but I would, I don't think I'd be a beta guy eh, in those cars. I think. I think, I think they, I'd happily watch. Yeah. I suppose they'd load them with... I never thought about this. You'd load them with crash test dummies or similar first, wouldn't mm. you? Mm. Yeah. So that's been going on for the last five years. Google's been driving the self-car, but now everyone's doing it. So the, 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 the technology, the processing power to do all this is kind of there now. Like NVIDIA, who make graphics cards, yeah. for example. Now they're making a computer that basically does AI driving for you. Wow. You know, so all these little guys have been building this stuff on the side. It's all coming together, and it's just bursting out. You know. So what about so what about this um, automotive um, accidents? Obviously, far more prevalent, um, hugely more prevalent than 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 airline disasters. Mm. Um, are you just as comfortable with a self-piloted Airbus A three eighty? Let's be honest. All the pilot does is, the is take, take off, off in, the, in yeah. the landing. And then they sleep and do a runny poo in the middle, and yeah, that's about it. that's it. <laughs> yeah. We've been flied by, flown by autom- autonomous planes for many, many, many years. Actually, you, you probably... I Now, yeah, that's right. It's probably... Now I think about it, it's actually probably... Uh, in terms of the... the, the in terms of the software and the programming and the design, mm. Mm. that's probably far, far, far easier. 
Yeah. You're not dealing oh, with... Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't have to deal with the randomness of drivers. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you know, they've, they've been pumping these cars through... This is a fun fact. Pumping these uh, these car autonomous AI programs they're putting in their cars through Grand Theft Auto Five. They're what? Sorry, I didn't miss that. I don't know what you so mean. So they're, they're, they're putting their, simu- their, their AI brains... Oh, and they're putting them in a car and they're driving it through Grand Theft Auto Five because all the traffic infrastructure is there. Wow. All the, so it can just practice driving around this. So that's sort of a, it's a sort um, of an inadvertent props to the designers of Grand Theft Auto that, <laughs> oh, that it's obviously that well yeah. coded and designed that it's, yeah. a, that it's a real world simulation. Yeah. So cars are going to stop. People are going to randomly walk out in front of cars. Midgets. Know. Yeah, <laughs> midgets. Old, old people, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we can. Hey, it's been a it's been a pleasure. I think that's quite a um, uh, interesting place to lead off. And I, do, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I and I do and I do think you know um, I I think that you should uh, the docos getting the doco done is the ne- yes. next project because yeah, yeah, I, I really yeah, enjoyed absolutely. what I saw and, and I think the whole story it's a way of telling the whole story to the public and yeah. it was quite an accessible way of doing so as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought I hope people still convert cars even though electric cars are really cheap. You know, I think. Well, like anything else, the conversion process will probably get cheaper. And the other thing is the more people you get involved, um, the lower the costs get, right? Exactly. Because it's not as obscure. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Theo. Hey, just pleasure, you, Lewis. Before you go, just just tell us where, um, where people can find the first part of the doco up online and tell us what, what your podcast is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to see the first part of the doco, just go to evbuilders.co.nz um, and that will take you to the links of the doco, which are actually on Vimeo. And uh, if you want to listen to uh, uh, D West and my podcast, you just go to the NZEV podcast on uh, Facebook, or you can jump onto podcast.nz, and we're, we're listed on there as well. And we're on iTunes and all that. So, um, and it's a very specialist topic. And I listened to one last night, and they're very entertaining. It's one of those things where yeah, it's entertaining, whatever fun. the subject. Yeah, we try and have fun, um, and and we may not be uh, technically accurate all the time, but um, it's a it, uh, yeah. I think it's an enjoyable listen. We have to let Samir in here and go now. (laughs) Okay.